We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Woo! Timberwolves lose in Memphis Monday night in overtime, 125 to 118. I honestly, I don't know how to begin talking to you about what happened in this game, really in any other way than just to go through play by play how this game closed out in the final seven minutes and 30 seconds of the game where the Wolves were up at that time by 16 points before eventually going on to lose. But let's set the scene first. The Wolves enter the second half actually down by four points. And unlike the past few games where they've just completely flopped coming out of halftime, they actually played well. Uh, By the end of the third quarter, they were up by 11. And again, with seven minutes and 30 seconds left to go, they were up by 16. Memphis just kind of looked dead. They were stalling out. It looked like a win. At that time, with a 16-point lead, seven and a half minutes left to go, ESPN's that play-by-play odds thing they have going on, well, they had a 99.1% chance of the Wolves winning this game. And then this happens. First possession for Memphis, Jaron Jackson Jr. hits a floater. It's 102-88. to Wolves go down. Ant isolates. Fadeaway mid-range jumper. He misses it. Memphis goes down, Melton fouled on a floater, end of the shot clock, makes his two free throws, 102 to 90. That's when John Morant checks into the game, and uh, there's six and a half minutes left, and that is bad news for the Wolves because they don't start scoring, and the Wolves do. Or the Wolves don't start scoring, and the Grizzlies do. So Morant's in. The, the next Wolves possession, Cat dealer on a pick and roll. Cat misses a layup. He should have finished it through John Morant, who is the only guy really in his way there. Uh, but he doesn't. Uh, Memphis goes down. Bain misses a three. The Wolves actually score the next possession. Cat Nakogi, little give and go. Cat makes it. And it's now 104 to 90. They're still up 14. That was only one of the two makes the Wolves made in the final nine minutes and 30 seconds of the game, other than the Cat buzzer beater that I'm sure you've probably seen at this point. It was bad. The, the Wolves had no offense. And this is when John Morant gets going. He hits a deep three. It's 104 to 93. Uh, the Wolves go down, actually score. That's their their other bucket. D'Lo and Jane McDaniels 
on a little side pick and roll is actually really nice. And the Wolves are still up by 13 here. There's four and a half minutes to go. But then Memphis just doesn't slow down. Jaron Jackson Jr. drives through Cat to the basket, makes it 106-95. to 95. Ant takes a step back three, misses it. McDaniels gets the offensive rebound, kicks it out to D'Lo. D'Lo misses it. Kyle Anderson goes down. He scores. It's an and one, and now it's 106-97. to 97. And, and now it really starts crumbling. Ant, Ant has a, a bad turnover to D'Lo, who's kind of like trying to seal his man at the elbow. DeAnthony Melton just kind of pick sixes it down the other way for an easy layup, 106 to 99. Wolves try to go D'Lo cat pick and roll. Jaron Jackson Jr. switches on to D'Lo. D'Lo shoots a three, misses it. Cat gets an offensive rebound. He gets fouled. So the Wolves do tack on two points there. But then it's Morant. Morant driving layup gets the bucket. It's 108 101. D'Lo McDaniels pick and roll for the Wolves. Turnover. That DeAnthony Melton again steals. Memphis goes down. Easy layup. It's now 108 to 103. The lead's only five with two and a half minutes to go. D'Lo misses a mid-range jumper. Morant drives. Actually, this was a great play by Patrick Beverly. Uh, great play. The only time they really were able to stop Morant down the stretch was a block shot there by pa- Patrick Beverly. But the Wolves offense still just can't get anything going. Anthony Edwards isolates, pulls up from mid-range. It's an air ball. On the other end, it's way better than that. Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. on a pick and pop. Uh, JJJ makes it. It's now 108 to 106. Cat D'Lo pick and roll does not work. Cat, you know, Cat gets it back, passes it to Jaden McDaniels, who misses a layup. Um, again, it's more Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. pick and roll. That's it. They get the switch. Morant drives as a nasty dunk, ties the game 108, 108, 56 seconds left. And that that's, there you go. Your 16-point lead is now gone. So Wolves respond, drawn up a play for Cat, or Cat decides to drive to the basket. He travels, and it's another turnover. Morant on the other end gets the screen. Cat switches onto him. Morant kind of steps back for a deep pull-up three, hits it. Now the Wolves are down by three, 108 to 111. Remember, it was 106 to 93, so that is... Two points for the Wolves and 18 points for the Grizzlies over that. I think that was like a four and a half minute stretch. The Wolves uh, now are down by three. D'Lo drives to the basket, gets fouled, actually makes both of his free throws. So it is a 110 to 111 game. Wolves down two with 24 seconds to go in the game. And this is where this game gets just insane. Again, Grizzlies up 111, 110. And for some reason, after D'Lo hits both of those free throws, they don't call a timeout. So they're still in the backcourt. And they're trying to break the Wolves' press. And they fumble the ball out of bounds right before they cross half court. It's out of bounds on the Wolves. But remember, there was exactly 24 seconds left in the game at this point. And by the time the ball goes out of bounds on the Wolves, there's 16 seconds left. So exactly eight seconds went off the clock, so it's ruled a backcourt violation because they didn't. the Grizzlies never passed half court. So somehow the Wolves have the ball. They're down by one with 16 seconds to go. D'Lo drives to the rim. He gets it up there, and Jaron Jackson Jr. goaltends his shot, so the Wolves have now taken a lead 112 to 111, but it is ruled that the goaltending was overturned and those two points for D'Lo do, do not count. So it's now 
six seconds left in the game. Grizzlies up 111 to 110 because the two points came off the board and it's jump ball time because the, the goaltend was overturned. Loose ball, they got to do a jump ball. Jaron Jackson Jr. wins the jump, but he tips it all the way out of bounds. Two seconds go off the clock. So it's now the Wolves ball. They somehow, again, have the ball. Four seconds left to go. Still down by just one. And I'm sorry if this part is painful for those of you who watched the game, but the Wolves couldn't even get the ball in. Patrick Beverly is there to inbound the ball. And D'Lo just can't get open. He's double teamed and no other Wolves flash. If you haven't seen the clip of this, it was... It was just really, really terrible, terrible execution by the Wolves here and and ultimately a turnover. I'm going to pause my little run through of what's happening in this game here to have Chris Finch explain post game what he saw happen there at the last second in, in that in that possession where they turned the ball over. Hey, Chris, on the, the last um, inbound of regulation, yeah. what did you see? Did you see, a, was there some confusion on the play or how did, what was going on there that caused that five seconds? Yeah, that's on me. I got to give us a better play call there, John. So. Okay. Did, okay, so they, did you just, did they not know what to do there or like? Yeah, we, I mean, we thought we were just going to, we thought we were going to kind of pop out and uh, drive the ball to the basket, but, um, you know, we needed to execute a little bit better, but that's on me. That's not on them. So now the Wolves have turned the ball over there. They are down by one with four seconds to go. It seems like the, you know, the game's pretty much over. It's the Grizzlies ball. They inbound it to John Morant. Wolves immediately foul him. Morant makes both free throws. The Wolves are now down 113 to 110. The ball's underneath their own basket. They have no timeouts because they actually, a few minutes ago, got a, they challenged a play that they got wrong that used their final timeout. So the Wolves can't even advance it to half court here with two and a half seconds left. So, again, 113 to 110. Two and a half seconds to go. Chris Finch checks in Nas Reed, who played quarterback in, in high school. And Nas bombs it all the way down the court to, like, Patrick Beverly, who's running a fly route. The pass is incomplete, tipped by Ryan Anderson. But Ryan Anderson, again, tips it out of bounds. I'm realizing tips out of bounds are kind of a theme at the end of this game by the Grizzlies. But by tipping out of bounds, now the bolt. It's all the way down on the other side of the floor, like right above the break, past half court. The Wolves have now advanced the ball because it was off the Grizzlies. So there's 1.1 seconds left. The Wolves are down three. They don't really run a play. Nas, again, is inbounding it, and he just kind of throws it up to Cat, who's like at the logo by half court. He catches it and just banks in an insane three while time is expiring. Tie game, 113, 113. Wolves and Grizzlies are going to overtime. Just one of the wildest, sloppiest, ugliest, bad, but still kind of fun and exciting fourth quarters the Wolves have played in a really long time. But much like has been the case for the Wolves in recent overtimes, this was they came into this overtime having lost the past six overtimes they'd been in. And this this one was no different. Overtime was a disaster. The Wolves, the Wolves made one bucket in overtime. They couldn't. It was just more of the same of what the fourth quarter was. Jaron Jackson Jr., who had been obviously playing really well down the stretch there, he fouled out two minutes into the overtime. You're like, okay, here's a shot. They, got, they decide to bring in Brandon Clark into the game, and you're like, all right, the Wolves have an opportunity here. But Brandon Clark comes in the game, and he just killed the Wolves on the glass. Clark had two offensive rebounds in those final three minutes of the game, and he put them both in for for layups. It was 
It was the same late game story for the Wolves, man. Can't rebound, couldn't get offensive flow. They lose the game 125-118. But flow is what I really want to focus on here because that's what's sticking with me after this game and after talking to the players afterwards. And we've heard Chris Finch say this, talk about the idea of offensive flow. It is it is his word, it is his identity of the offense. It's what, it's what they do. He's been saying it since training camp. They want to rely on offensive flow, playing fast and playing off of each other so as to get easy buckets. Like the idea behind the philosophy is that less offensive structure and more flow allows the talent to be more free to kind of spread its wings and maximize it. That obviously isn't happening for the Wolves. After tonight in the half court where the Wolves are supposed to find this flow, the Wolves rank third to last in the NBA in half court offense. Terrible. 0.825 points per possession in the half court. That's awful. But here's the thing that really stood out to me that's just incongruent is that Cat postgame is talking about, you know, when I asked him about this, this offense and this lack of flow, he just said that the team just needs to execute in the half court, specifically needs to execute in these late game situations. And my question here is simple. It's like, how, how do you execute flow? How do you execute something that is intentionally open-ended? It's not something specific. So there isn't a specific process to execute. I don't get it. So I asked Kat about it after the game. Here's what he had to say. Are you mentioning execution down the stretch, executing plays specifically? Coach Finch has talked so much about the, the flow of the offense and that it's not necessarily specific play calls that you have you guys have to execute. So how do you go about executing something that's inherently kind of ambiguous? Something we just got to do. I mean, it's as simple as that. I really don't know how to answer your question, uh, really, because at the end of the day, it's something we just got to do. Um, Does that just kind of come with maybe – is that a situation where more time together and that that's where the, the, the comfort, you, you that flow grows, being able to find that flow more naturally? I guess you could say that. Um, it's just something we got to do. I, I really – I'm not going to sit up here and – tell you oh I got the answer because I really don't um but if you want me to be real we paid millions of dollars we gotta figure it out we gotta figure it out as one we, we we getting paid to go figure it out we gotta go do it so um I know we, you know time is always a, a is always something that is great for teams you know teams that have been together long and uh, understand offensive concepts and what we're trying to get to at certain points in the game defensively as well um, but no one told us when we signed up to enter the NBA draft or to be a free agent to get a chance to play in the NBA that it was going to be easy. You know, we paid, we paid handsomely to go figure it out. So, yes, he's right and honest there. Like, they do need to figure it out. But my point here stands. It's that if you plan, if your plan for figuring out is to execute something that does not have a specific set of steps for execution, then executing better should not be the goal. The goal should be better understanding the nature of, of your offense, which is just kind of open-ended. 
And really, it, it's it's just understanding that there is not an answer to be found here. That and I'm not saying it can't work. Doesn't mean it can't work. And I'm not even saying this is necessarily a bad theory by Finch. It might ultimately be the best way to let that talent spread its wings. He obviously knows a lot more about basketball than I do, specifically about offensive success where his reputation precedes him. But I think that there is a flaw in the message and the understanding, at least with the best player on this team and perhaps the best players on this team, plural, because they are not registering the style. I'm not sure if Carl Anthony Towns is a player ready at the moment to to thrive in a flow-based system. Again, it's not that he can't ever thrive in that style. It's just not something that he's right now accustomed to. It doesn't, quite frankly, it doesn't sound like something he really understands. And I don't, that isn't really surprising to me. I mean, Cat has played in very rigid systems throughout his career. Obviously, with Tom Thibodeau, Tibbs was a coach whose plan was to drive offense through execution. And most of Ryan Saunders' best games coaching this team were heavily scripted, heavily scripted game plans that were heavy on play calls. That's what Cat was raised in, execution. It's not that he can't be a dynamic player like Nikola Jokic, who is a player who plays on, with offensive flow. That's how he kind of finds it. It's just that Cat hasn't done it yet. That's not, that's not his offensive game. It hasn't been his offensive game. I think of the big three on this roster, the one player who does thrive in flow is D'Angelo Russell. It, it, his game is more tailored that way. I mean, in Brooklyn, he grew up in that. It works for him. I'm not sure it works best for Cat, at least right now. And for Anthony Edwards, like I think we know he's a player who is who's powered by flow of when it's in transition offense. He he feels and attacks the flow of the game when they're playing fast. But in the half court, he doesn't have that feel for flow. Again, like Cat, at least for now he doesn't. So what I'm trying to say is not that this is right or wrong. I don't know the answer. I mean, the proof will be in the pudding. But what I am saying now is that it makes sense to me that this team is not finding offensive flow, and that's because they're not familiar with it. And quite frankly, they just might not understand it yet. What is undeniable is that right now, they don't know how to play with flow in late-game situations. That's just a fact, further proven by what transpired in the last seven and a half minutes of the fourth quarter and and then overtime tonight. They just don't have it. All right, we're going to take a quick break here and then come back to talk about how and where this might be able to be reconciled for the Wolves. Today's show is brought to you by TickPick. Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Wolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. If you can find better prices for the same seats on any other ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. I heard from a handful of fans who use TickPick to purchase their tickets to the Wolves opener after hearing about it on the pod, and they found the experience to be both easier and more affordable than previous ticket sites they had been using. The Wolves do play seven of their first eight games at Target Center, 
and Tick Pick has you covered for all of those games. It was a blast to see fans at the opener, matching the Wolves' energy on the floor on Wednesday night, and I look forward to more of that to come. Again, visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today, to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are back discussing the Timberwolves' 125-118 loss in Memphis on Monday night. It was the Wolves' fifth straight loss. Uh, the Wolves are now ranked 25th in the NBA in offensive efficiency after tonight's game, which is actually a little bit of a jump in the offensive rankings for them, and that's because in spite of the terrible close to the game, the Wolves generated 1.13 points per possession in this game. That's only the fourth time this season that the Wolves have generated over one point per possession on offense this year. And if you don't know what that means, like one point is not a high bar. The reason this game was a lot better from an offensive standpoint, though, was due to the return of D'Angelo Russell and D'Lo playing well. I mean, part of it is D'Lo's stat line. I mean, he had 30 points tonight, seven assists. He made shots at a good clip for heavy volume, six of 13 from deep and four of nine from two. But just having his playmaking back and his passing, um, his passing was just really on point, particularly in the pick and roll. He played a heavy usage role, only only committing two turnovers in the game. I mean, now we we talked about this on the last show. I'm not saying D'Lo is like a beacon for offensive efficiency. Again, I say this all the time. I don't know if D'Angelo Russell is, you know, on the next good Wolves team. I I I don't know. But for this roster and how it's currently constructed in the image of Gerson Rosas, like D'Lo is super instrumental to this thing functioning now. The offense was completely dysfunctional in his absence these past three games. And tonight, you know, it wasn't great, but it was it was functional. The problem in these past few games without D'Lo had been Cap being removed from the game with just insanely aggressive double teams by the opponent. 
and the Wolves' surrounding pieces. Without D'Lo, they just weren't able to punish that. Tonight, the Grizzlies weren't focused. Their focus was not just on removing Cat because, you know, they deemed that would not be a good use of their defensive resources because, because the Wolves started D'Lo, Pat, Bev, Ant, and McDaniels around Cat, and that's a team with normal offensive spacing. Guys who can punish you in ways in, in spot-up situations or a little bit by by taking guys off the dribble, playmaking around Cat. And D'Lo's a huge part of that. I mean, the thing was tonight is Cat just didn't have a good game. He missed shots and he was sloppy with the ball. I mean, Cat shot three of nine for, from deep tonight, which was only the second game of the season where he shot under 40% from three. He was 6 of 11 from 2, but he had 5 turnovers. He was searching for the home run pass. And if you watch the game, it was just, it wasn't his best work. D'Lo led the big 3 in scoring tonight and effectiveness tonight. I mean, Ant had 27, but he was only 5 of 13 from 2-point range. It's just becoming increasingly clear that it's kind of given the Wolves' lopsidedness in a lot of different ways that they kind of just got like out-talent teams. And to do that, like, at least two of the big three kind of got to go off. I mean, D'Lo has very rarely this season delivered on his side of the bargain there, but he did tonight. And really, like, nights like this for Cat are rare. Cat's usually going to deliver that out-talenting. So you just need one of Ant or D'Lo to deliver next to him. I think this game was actually encouraging to the notion that D'Lo might be able to be the that guy, one of those two guys, more often than the you know once every four games that he has been thus far. Or at least that the nights that he completely sinks the offense kind of like he was at the beginning of the year, you know, that that's just, that those are going to come much fewer and further between. I thought it was a good game from Dilo tonight. And for this team, given where it's at, given how it's constructed, that's big. Um, our forgotten star of the game tonight presented by Forgotten Star Brewery was was Nas Reed. And I want to use this as a time to talk about how it's it's just starting to feel like the Nas and Cat minutes just need to start happening every night. I know Memphis profiled as a team where you can go double big against, right? Like it was it was a kind of obvious situation to use Cat and Nas together. But I'd like I'd like to see the Wolves go to that look even when the external matchups aren't obvious. I thought I liked how Jim Peterson said during the broadcast that he would like to see the Wolves force opponents to match up to them and not only have to be reactive in terms of their matchups. Like going Cat and Nas together is one way for the Wolves to force, kind of force opponents' hands there. Beat, make them match up to you. Tonight, Nas had eight points and five rebounds in just 14 minutes of play. Uh, he made both of the threes he took, and in his time on the floor, he was the only Wolves player other than Josh Okoge to post a positive plus minus. Nas was plus 15 in those 14 minutes. But the floor spacing, I think, is the thing to hone in on here. Like, the book is out on a Kogi and Vanderbilt. Like, this was the four straight game that those two have almost completely been unguarded on the offensive side of the floor. They both they both bring great energy. I thought it was an actually a really good game from Josh and Kogi, but they are just killing the Wolves spacing on offense because... They're just not being respected. Obviously, the Wolves' offensive flow is just starving for that space right now. When you do put Nas out there, they can't just leave him wide open. And if they do, 
it's just far more likely that Nas will be able to make the open threes or be able to catch it and finish around the bucket when he gets those little drop-off passes than either a Kogi can do from three or than Vanderbilt can do around the bucket. Bird asked Finch about this after the game. Here's what Finch had to say about the Cat-Nas pairing. Chris, did you know that you were going to use uh, Nas and Cat uh, going into the game, or was that a, a matchup decision on the moment? Uh, we felt that this was a game that would allow us to do that. They played really well. Probably look, you know, could have looked to gone back to it. May have helped our rebounding. Um, but yeah, we always look for opportunities to try to do that. Does that give you another score in the lineup that the defense can't ignore as much, and and, and as a result, kind of spreads things out a little better? It gives Ant and maybe D'Lo a little more room as well when they're yeah. in there with them. Yeah, for sure. You know, the more honest that we can make teams play us, the better off we're going to be. I'll be curious to see if Finch continues to lean into that cat and Oz front court more frequently it's been it's been something he's constantly talked about wanting to do but not something he's ever really executed on doing consistently either way i, I thought tonight Nas made a further case for more of those minutes um next to carl anthony towns and that's why tonight he is our forgotten star of the game as always you can check out forgotten star brewery in fridley and you can get a, a dollar off of your beer there if you mention the podcast when you go up to to get your pint. Another piece I wanted to hit on here before we go is Jaden McDaniels. Uh, I thought McDaniels clearly played his best game of the year tonight, at least offensively. Defensively, he did foul out again. It's his third time fouling out in the last four games. But the 11, point, 11 points he scored was a season high. Uh, I actually took the under in prize picks on five and a half points for McDaniels tonight. For one, he had scored five points or fewer in every game this season coming into coming into tonight. So I didn't think it was a bad bet, but part of me also wondered, you know, if I, I kind of thought that Finch might change his role. I, I wondered if Jaden had started every game this season, but I wondered if Finch might move him to the bench or at least kind of give him a smaller role after sort of a tougher start to the year. But I think, you know, thinking about it more to be fair, McDaniels' slow start to the year is really only on the offensive side of the floor. I mean, the heavy foul totals are bad, but McDaniels has been really solid defensively for the Wolves this season. He takes on a really big job guarding these tough wings, the tougher big wings in every matchup all year. And tonight, you know, we saw we saw him use, we saw Finch use McDaniels as a weapon against John Morant. Like every time McDaniels' guy set a screen the plan was to switch McDaniels onto him. And that's, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a, a tough role. And earlier on in the game, McDaniels was doing a good job. Obviously jaw went out late, but this McDaniels thing is a developing story. I mean, he's, he's got to get going a little bit too on both sides of the ball. He's got to prove to be some bit of a weapon. And these games where he scores more than five points need to start happening a little bit, a little bit more frequently. Um, I also, in addition to that pick I got wrong, I also got under 24 and a half points for John Morant wrong. I knew the Wolves' strategy on defense would be to trap Jaw and just get the ball out of the, his hands, which they actually did really well in the first half. But it kind of reminded me of that first Clippers game where the plan was clearly to get the ball out of Paul George's hands. But Morant, like Paul George, just found a way to like dominate through that, split those traps, and still just find his way to scoring he scored 33 points. He was three of six from three, only seven of 18 from two. So I do think like 
as great as Jaw was, I think the Wolves and specifically McDaniels did a pretty good job on him, but he was still able to certainly get above that 24 and a half. The two props I got right here tonight were Cat over eight and a half rebounds and Jaron Jackson Jr. over five and a half rebounds. I think these I think these rebounding props under 10 for Cat are a product of the odds makers looking at Vanderbilt's rebounding totals. But if you know Vanderbilt is not going to start in a game, then you know his minutes are going to really be staggered from Cat. So Cat is going to have a lot of minutes out there without Vanderbilt. And what we've seen in these last few games is that's when Cat's really cleaning up on the glass. Cat had 13 rebounds tonight, got over that eight and a half easily. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., his over-under was five and a half. He got eight rebounds tonight. So we got that one too. I just think anytime a big going up against the Wolves has a prop over under eight rebounds, I think I think the over is winning on that bet like 75% of the time. Five and a half was ridiculously low. Jackson got over that tonight. So I trying to sound smart, but I only went two and two again, which brings me to 18, 16, and one on the year on these props over at prize picks. If you're feeling like the Wolves losing is <laughs> making it hard to watch these games, or if you're looking for an another another reason to be able to, to, to watch these games, I kind of feel like these prize picks are like fantasy football. Like for me, I, I don't I don't watch the Cleveland Browns on Sundays because I like the Cleveland Browns. I watch the Browns because I have Nick Chubb on my fantasy team. And prize picks is kind of like that, right? Like it's a little extra incentive to watch. Something that you might not otherwise be eager to, you know, dig into. If you haven't yet made an account, do that at Prize Picks, and they'll throw you a hundred dollar sign up bonus after you do your deposit. Um, to get that hundred dollar sign up bonus, you do need to use the promo code Dane when you sign up. My name D A N E. Um, yeah, make sure you use that promo code. It helps you get some dollars, and it helps me keep Prize Picks as a sponsor for the show. We'll have more time uh, to dig into this game with Britt Robson on on Tuesday evening. It should be in there. If you're listening to this on Tuesday afternoon, uh, Britt's most recent column is probably up at MinPost uh, by now, so you could check out his thoughts on his written thoughts on what transpired in tonight and this Memphis game there. And then the two of us will dig into it further for another pod that will be in your feed later on Tuesday evening. We'll also look ahead to the next game is against the Golden State Warriors. We'll talk about that matchup and just the rest of this uh, kind of difficult Wolves road trip that they have ahead. So again, look for that episode in your feed Tuesday evening, and then after the Warriors game on Wednesday, I will be back as well. We're going to keep chugging along through the losses. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.